Welcome to another episode of Across the Line. Today, we dive into part two of our conversation in youth development. If you missed part one, definitely go back into our archive on YouTube, on Spotify, and on Apple Podcasts and check that one out. If you've already listened to that, then jump right in to part two of the conversation. There is so much more to take away from this one between Chris and myself. And if you like this content and you like the stuff that we provide here on Across the Line, definitely subscribe to the podcast podcast on YouTube, Spotify, and on Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to hit us up on the social media pages. If there's anything you want us to discuss, any conversations you want to spark, hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, and on Instagram. Enjoy the episode and enjoy your Football Friday. Is there a place in time for um, specifying? And, and and getting drilled in into your craft already. Let's say you know you've played multiple sports so, all throughout so, your. So childhood. when I did my A license, right? So when I did my A license, one of the things that um, w- was a little bit ambiguous from this one of the presenters from um, he's a Welsh guy, but he, he goes to University of Colorado, and he was all about specificity. Mm. Um, and he they did some studies. They did some studies. So, but basically, one of the things he was also saying was those who. Um, ended up playing professional football, uh, they didn't spend less time playing football. So it wasn't instead of playing football. Mm-mm. Okay. So what they were saying was they were supplementing their sporting pursuits with other sports. I see. So they were just doing other sports as well. Uh-huh. So, it, in, in, so they were still getting X amount of hours of football compared to other pros who were just doing the one sport. Um, but they were playing, so the, the example was in Ireland, so they were playing Gaelic football. Okay. For example, they were playing rugby. Uh-huh. They were doing other activities as well. So uh, I wasn't 100% on board with that. Um, especially here, because I think a lot of the, a lot of the uh, overuse injuries come from playing on turf fields, yeah. uh, playing on overly hard surfaces, uneven surfaces. Um, it's not like in Europe where a lot of them are, you're a grass surface, but they're fairly soft and... Yeah. Um, have a little bit of give. I think there's a lot of, I see a lot of, um, I see a lot of injury sustained because of the surfaces that they play on here. Um, but I, I, for me, it's not even that. It's more from the mental standpoint of just give yourself a break. Right. Just give yourself a break from the relentless. And if you're going to do something different, play futsal. Right? Play, play beach football. Sure. If you want to be kicking the ball about still, if you want to be doing that, play something not different dynamic different dynamic yeah play something something completely different yeah. I, I listened to another podcast with the guy it was um he's talking about volleyball he's a re- uh, renowned and revered uh, volleyball coach and he said he was playing um is it spike ball spike ball yeah i think it's the one where you, you hit it up again you hit it on a, a trampoline you know, you know what you've seen it so it's, so, no. so it's like a two return you, you hit it ball up and down it's like a bouncy surface and then okay. it sort of pops up and and he played that a lot as a kid and they were saying like a lot of the sort of the diving and the uh, spiking technique was developed through doing that so it actually wasn't through playing volleyball oh, as wow. in, oh, you know hitting over a net per yeah, se yeah, yeah. a lot of it was just experimenting with that particular game mm. and then what he was saying was it also enabled him to read so if you can imagine he would and this is all instinctive, right? So, and, and uh, like I said to you before, it's all about, he's seen this picture so many times that yeah. he can gauge where, where certain body shapes, certain um, 
body positions that an opponent will undertake will indicate that the ball, based on experience, will end up in this position. So let's say, for example, okay, as he puts his left foot forward, puts his left arm up and he's about to spike the ball down. Yeah. He can tell if his shoulders are positioned, if his hips are aligned, if his yeah. knees, uh, he's going to slam it down into this particular point. If it if it's, goes in this trajectory, then I need to be here in order to stop mm. it, so on and so forth, right? Yeah, yeah. So what he was saying was he would, he would then take that knowledge and then when he would translate that to volleyball, yeah. he, his core vision and his core anticipation was on a completely different level to everybody else. Yeah. And it was all acquired through... Um, playing these types of activities or or um, beach volleyball or two, or two v two yeah. v two volleyball. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So um, I think a lot of these things are are really. It, it, again, I, I don't want to come across as being a know it all, or I just want to share some of the knowledge that I've acquired. Yeah. And you can take it or leave it, right? Mm. But I definitely think there is there's a lot of research, a lot of evidence that's out there that suggests that specifying in, in one sport is bad sure it's bad for me i didn't know that as a kid growing up and even to my dad he's not a scientist he didn't listen to podcasts he didn't read a lot of books yeah but common sense would suggest that that is true right common sense and if you and then backing it up with the story that i said earlier like i've experienced it i've experienced seeing the negative negative effects of people who put all their eggs in, in one, one basket. basket all right if 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 you were to develop let's say um let's say it's not your child Right, it's not your child. Yeah. You're gonna make a prodigy, yeah, uh, a protege rather of of, of Chris Greatridge. Yeah. Right, he's gonna be a a midfielder. He's gonna be a battling midfielder, mm. good range. He's gonna be uh you know uh, good shooting. You're gonna be able to pop up in the box and, and score some important goals. All right, let's say we're gonna try to make an archetypal um, footballer. Right, mm. there's this uh, there's this boxer right now, uh, Vasily Lomachenko. Right, he's considered maybe pound pound for pound yeah. the best right now right his dad made him uh required him to take dancing yeah russian dancing or ukrainian yeah, dancing yeah, yeah. or something like I that. Know the story. and it helps with his footwork mm -hmm. his footwork is tremendous one of the best in the game uh, maybe ever right incredible angles that he cuts and that was a specific task that was laid out by his father mm -hmm. in order to improve his boxing is there a similar type of activity which is not football, mm -hmm. that you feel would supplement your footballing game tremendously? So first of all, I, I think, let's say, that, let's, that you always have to take the individual kid into perspective, into, okay. the, right, into, into account here. Yeah. So Vasily Lomachenko was probably destined to be a world champion, right? Sure. And like you said, his dad was very, he, he was probably overbearing, right? But then yeah. again, this is where you got to temper that with, what's his son saying? What is his son sure. saying? If, if, if from a young age, your son is going, I'm going to be world champion. I want to be world champion. Yeah. I want to be world champion. Yeah, yeah. And if you keep saying, okay, son, you know, just, you know, let's just start off with you going to the gym. Mm. Let's just start off. With you. And listen, if that's not the case, I don't know the, I don't know the father personally. Yeah. Right? But even though, even if, even if he is the type of parent who'd be like, no, get in the gym. Yeah. Get in the gym. Get in the gym. Get in the gym. Why are you watching TV? Get in the gym. Yeah. Right? You can still produce world champions like that. You yeah. can still produce Tiger Woods... Mm. Tiger Woods is arguably the greatest golfers of all time. Yeah. I'm going to tell you now, if he was my son, yeah. right, I, I wouldn't be best pleased with the product that I've produced. Mm. Right? Mm. Because by all intents and purposes, phenomenal golfer, right? Yeah. Okay. Great golfer. Great human. Mm. I don't know. Mm. Mm. I don't know, mate. 
Yeah. So if if that's what you want, it, you, you, we, we can we can go. There's examples in history, in any walk of life, any activity, sport, politics, uh, academia, whatever. You can do whatever, and you can always find an example for whatever. But with with that particular example that you've given, yeah. I think it's always you've always got to take into account the the individual child that, that you you've got in front of you. Sure. Right. Even even if Tiger was saying, "I want to be a golfer," then it's your responsibility as, as a father to, to be like, okay. All well and good, but you've also got to do other things. Yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. You got to do other things. Sure. Otherwise, you're going to end up going down a dark road one day. Mm-hmm. And invariably, he did. Yeah. In front of everyone. So okay. Right. So what? So go back. good person. You're you're you're, you're trying to make a good okay, person to, first. To, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. <laughs> I'll go back, yeah, back, back to your question. So let's say you got a kid and he wants to be a footballer. Yeah. Right. So if they enjoy it and I'm, sports sampling is a massive one like, I'm a huge advocate for gymnastics mm. gymnastics is a great one mate yeah. it is a great one it just body control everything yeah. right yeah. everything yeah. elasticity of your muscles uh, body control um, strengthening muscles that you don't normally especially for boys mm. mus- muscular groups that you don't utilize mm. very often because obviously a lot of um especially in england growing up all of our sports were invasion games you got to play football you got to play rugby um hockey mm. you know these these are sports where you're not using your upper upper body mm. that that often it's you know if, if you've got good legs that's that's you know of, of, of primary importance so you know i think that's a massive one gymnastics is a great one uh and if they like it Okay, have that in your repertoire. Have yeah. that in your w- weekly activities that they like to go to. Yeah. And then if they like that, great. If they get bored of it, get tired of it, do something else. Boxing. Mm. I love boxing. My kid does boxing. It's, I think it's brilliant. Yeah. But then he stops for a little bit. He's not that into it anymore. Okay, no problem. Invariably at the moment, he always goes back to swimming. He likes basketball. He likes football. Okay. Um, my little, little one, two-year-old, basketball golf golf t-ball all right he loves t-ball so he puts the ball in the tee gets back back football not so much okay all right whatever he's two all right so you know i i I just think a lot of it is just down to giving these kids the opportunity to try different things and if they like it then run with it run with that right because there's always going to be certain things from that that they'll pick up and it will accentuate them if you really want to make a footballer it'll accentuate them as a footballer down the road right down the road um and then the other things that it will teach you gymnastics i know a lot obviously with gymnastics a lot of it is you, you have to perform yep. as an individual yep. under the microscope you make a mistake you get a bad score you're yep. punished for it you're not going to win that that event you're not going to win that competition it's a great one you talk about um you know your martial arts experience and like you said you learn how to use your body in in certain situations i think you become more attuned to what your body mm. is is doing in, in that type of close close quarters close, you know um, um close quarters qu- uh, combat massively massively important how to use your body like your ability to leverage people off the ball then is sure. then improved i know that re- um les ferdinand who had a prodigious leap he was like five for eight but a monster in the year gymnastics that was his thing he did a little he did a lot of um he did a lot of gymnastics growing up okay um, there's, there's loads of examples of uh of, of people i've used the ones already with 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 football i've used the ones with basketball with, yeah. with steve nash it's the evidence it, it, it's stacked it's there's there's so many examples out there um and for me it's just if your kid likes it if he enjoys it you, you can you can supplement them as a footballer by any means any any sport 
um, and, and supplement it that way. At what age do you feel as if, let's say, your kid's dabbling, right? Yeah. You're, you're encouraging to try out different things, but yeah. somehow, some way, he finds his way back to the football, yeah. right? So at what age do you feel as if, all right, okay, this is, you've shown considerable interest in this sport, and uh, despite the many different tastes uh, that you've uh, been acquainted with, yeah. this is the one that you really like. Yeah. Okay, so when do we start doubling down on 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 football, and what, what, what age is that, and what are you focusing on at okay. that age? Okay, so I wanna go back a little bit. I want to talk a little bit about that that initial phase. Yeah, we'll call it uh, initial phase. Uh, some people call it discovery phase, with loving the ball, right? So there's a really good book by uh, a guy called Tom Byer. Tom Byer uh, is an American guy who moved to Japan, and if you, um, he's got a book called uh, Football Starts at Home. Mm. The book basically talks about um, a lot of these superstar players uh, Neymar uh, Ronaldo Messi a lot of these guys have a relationship with the ball from three months six months 18 months 12 months 18 months they have balls in the house yeah. from a very young age and they just learn to do things with the ball throw catch and invariably kick yeah right so if you go to my house there's just balls all over the house tennis balls big balls softballs footballs baseballs mm. tennis balls and what do they do pick them up throw it head it catch it mm. right and and you start to develop this affinity between you and the ball and then you start to experiment with it you start to do, do different things okay well if I want it to come back to me, if I throw it off that wall, that wall, and it comes back to me, mm. okay, that's pretty cool, yeah. right? Well, if I throw it against the floor, against the wall, it comes back, I can catch it in the air, yeah. right? So you start to develop these, you familiarize yourself with the ball, and then eventually they'll be like, okay, I kind of like kicking it. And you'll be like, okay, well, you know, maybe use the sole of your foot. What can you do with the sole of your foot? Okay, then they start doing drag backs. They start doing croif turns. Yeah. They don't know what a crow turn is. They don't know what a drag back is. Yeah. They're just doing it. Mm. They're just familiarizing themselves with the ball. So what you find is a lot of these kids, and especially if you have old, uh, older siblings is, is one. If you look at really high, uh, there's, there's obviously loads of examples where the, the eldest son is also the best. Yeah, yeah. yeah for my family. <laughs> <laughs> um, but a lot of time, it's the younger siblings who attribute their successes to an older, older, older brother. Yeah. It happens all the time. Yeah. You're, you're one of them, right? Um, yeah, youngest in my family, so I played a, a decent level of compared to them because right. I was used to like bigger yeah, bodies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're just getting used to basically getting beat up. Yeah, no matter yeah. what any of your sports that you yeah. show is getting beat up, basically. Yeah, right? yeah. So you just learn. Um, so yeah, that's that's. I think that's a really important thing to to unpack because what that then means is is when those kids then start to go to more formal football settings or any formal sports settings, right? Like I'll, I'll give you an example. My son is really into. It's a t-ball. Both yeah. of them are. They both play. I, I'm not gonna, I don't know what other kids are like, but I guarantee you that because I've been trying to get him to do t-ball and they don't do it for his age. Yeah. But I guarantee you when he first goes up, a lot of the other kids that will go there have never hit a ball before. Mm. And they're going to be at the, at the line like, what okay, right, what do I do now? This feels a bit weird. This is going to feel a bit unfamiliar. And my kids are going to go there. They're going to put the bat in their hand and they're going to be smacking it off the tee. Yeah. And people are going to be like, oh, wow, look at this guy. He's going to be the next Alex Rodriguez or whatever. <laughs> and I'm like, no, we just mess about at home and we've done it a few times. Sure. Right? So then you just acquire those um, 
basic skills because you've messed about and experimented with it at home. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the same with football. So a lot of those kids, like when my son first, so my, my, Nicholas was 18 months first when he first ball? went to Akaya. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you this now, he wasn't the best kid in, in, in the academy at that time. There were, and there was another kid at the same age who was much better than him yeah. at the same age. Uh, and he, his mum was um, just, said that he's very active, he's always out in the park, he's always doing this. And he was really good. He could follow all the. He could. He could jump. He could hop. He could. All his motor skills development was at a far more advanced stage than Nicholas's was, even though they, they were the same age. And I thought at the time he was. He had done quite a lot, but evidently there were other kids who were who were doing more, right? Yeah. Um, and then it's so funny because we then went and played in the sevens league about, I think it was earlier this year, and we came across the same kid. All right. And obviously Nicholas has now accumulated more training hours because he goes pretty regular. And then it was a completely different story. Like Nicholas was doing a lot more advanced stuff. He was able to cut. He was able to yeah. dribble. He could do. He could demonstrate more things with the ball. Um, he could shoot effectively. So, and that just comes with just he just played more. Mm. Simple. It's not rocket science. And we talked a little bit off mic about oh this sort of talent. This oh yeah this kid has innate more innate talent. Yeah. I think there are certain physical characteristics that will enable you to do certain things. So like, I'm never gonna be a sprinter. Like I've just, I don't have the genetic makeup to be of that disposition. Do you know okay. what I mean? It's like, right? right. So my game was always gonna be different. So then I have to tailor my game accordingly. Sure. In order, if I'm gonna be successful. Yeah. Uh, and and in which case, obviously that, and then you just tailor how you train or ch tailor what you work on to accentuate those strengths and then try to work on your weaknesses to, to build up those deficiencies. But, when I look at, like when I look at my son, people go, he's so talented. Mm -hmm. He's so talented. And I'm like, I'm not gonna be, listen mate, don't, don't mistake him for being talented. Don't think that I've passed on the football gene yeah. to my kid. I'm not, I don't believe that. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think that's the case. I just think he's, he's been around a ball since he was super young. Yeah. And there are other kids that might be around other stuff that yeah. enables them to be better at other math, maybe they're, you know, math or whatever, like um, off topic, there's a really interesting, there's this guy who um, wanted to make his three daughters uh, uh, chess grandmasters. Okay. I don't know if you, uh, no, no, there's no, no. a study, look it up, I forget the guy, I think he's Swedish. Uh, it literally at random was like, I'm gonna make my kids chess champions. Yeah. And then I think, uh, and then I think the oldest girl be a grandmaster age like, eight or nine or something but they could play from like the age of four wow so like it and he made it and basically the whole thing was it was a complete experiment it was yeah. a total experiment like he basically just wanted to prove that he could do that yeah um and yeah and, and then he did it but again that just comes from being around the pieces and and being around the board and then they they obviously improved um to the level that he, he wanted to 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 prove his theory yeah but like Nicholas he's not like this supremely talented kid he just plays more than you right he just plays more than your kid on a side note, do, do all those three kids hate their father? Oh, that's a, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he succeeded and it's yeah. like, okay, so I can do that with my kids. I don't know but what they did for the other 20, yeah. 20 hours of the day. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Maybe he was an amazing dad. Sure. So I don't know. Right. I have to look that one up. But what you're saying essentially is that you have to just expose them to it. Expose Exposure, them to it. Expose it, expose it is, yeah. is, is, is the thing. It doesn't have to be like super, um, how should you say, structured training. 
It's just actually the opposite. Yeah. So just the let him play. Structured the better. Let him play with the ball. All right. Especially at a young age. And, and and we got this from your conversation with Alvin as well, where we sort of are level to a particular age group with everyone around the world in yeah, terms of I football. I believe so. Right. Um, it and then there's a drop off. In what age? I would say seven. Seven to eleven, something like that. Well, I'm seven till. Okay, men's from, team from seven onwards. There's yeah, going to I would be, say there's going to be a significant and drop it compounds off. each year. Right, right. That's the what is the, what what factors or specific traits do you feel as if if you don't address this, this will compound into something terrible. What are those things that we feel we're lacking at? What are those skills? Okay, so there's a few things like organizationally. There's there's there's, there's an issue organizationally yeah so let's say for example right um there's, there's studies about how belgium became the number one team in the world okay right so their their whole thing was they were going to develop small-sided games okay right so they uh everything from uh like, let's say u5 under 1v1s wow 1v1s i think that they play a maximum of 4v4s up until u7 okay i think it's like four, u7 is like 4v4s i think u9 is 6v6 mm-hmm. u11 is 8v8 and then they're playing like 9v9 up until under 13s really right so what that means is when you play let's say you're playing so here you play from u13 you're playing 11v11 so you've got kids as young as 11 playing 11v11 football yeah do they have the physical capabilities to play on a big pitch might be difficult Dif- very, very difficult yeah very difficult so you have that from the physi- physiological standpoint it's very tough from a technical standpoint it's very tough have they got the ability to hit the ball across the field yeah probably not probably not right um if you're on a massive field like that which type of player is going to dominate mm, person who can run out in the back yeah yeah, yeah. people's yeah. going to outrun the back yeah who's going to really fast yeah and which promotes what kind of football knock it long okay and run right uh, and then you're going to reward that with trophies and and uh, you know medals at the end of it yeah so that feeds into that narrative which okay. is okay so now you're getting a bunch of teams wanting to play that way because it's going to be successful yeah now is that the best way to develop footballers we've seen no no <laughs> right so you say so it's not the best way to develop footballers so um however it's the best way to win medals right right so what, what, what do you want so that's that's the first that's the first thing that you need to address. So, it, so from the organizational standpoint, it's very difficult um, to perform at that level. The other thing you've got to take into consideration is very little goal mouth actions mm. because the ball is basically spent in the middle going back and forth, back and forth, yeah. right? And yeah. then the technical players are missing out because they're not able to demonstrate their abilities true. So what they did was they said, right, let's play on a smaller field. Let's reduce the numbers, okay? And then they get more actions because there's fewer members on the pitch. There's more incidents in and around the goal mouth, which is mm-hmm. A, um, better for development, and two, it's just more fun because sure. you want to score more goals at yeah. the end of the day. Yeah. So um, feeding into that, it develops the kids from a technical and tactical standpoint, right? Creates more uh, creative footballers and it creates players who actually enjoy the game because it's more fun. It's more fun to play that way. Mm. It's definitely more fun to play that way. Yeah. And if you want evidence of how successful that program is, then now the number one, I can't remember what their exact ranking was when they implemented the program, but it was low. Like, yeah, it's pretty low. Very low. Yeah. Not, uh, not, not, no disrespect, but it probably wasn't that much 
higher than where we are at right now. Mm. Just to put some perspective on it. They're a tiny population, right? It's not a big country. Mm. Um, but they were able to implement the philosophy wholesale. So got the buy-in of all the clubs, yeah. all of the grassroots operators, and then just became a conveyor belt. It was a production line player after player after player of the type of player that you want to produce yeah right so it's not even like are oh, they producing like i mean lukaku's a monster right so maybe he's a bit more of an outlier but if you look at the types of players they're producing you know kevin de bruyne yeah i mean an absolute joy mm. an absolute joy to watch hazard hazard right and we the list could go on the list could go on and on and on i mean there's just dozens and dozens of players of that cal caliber yeah. in that lineup and it all came through that system so and again I'm, i think i spoke to you about it before it's not about produce it's not about replicating the same system as, as there but it's about having a system that works for, for 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 the country yeah and it definitely doesn't work it definitely doesn't work that way here you know it's, it's not producing anyone yeah so we have to find another alternative another solution um and and definitely definitely the way in which we're going right now is is, is a problem playing five aside so we play five aside and the pitch is too small just uh, i raised it before they, they play in a uh, tw 20 by 30 yard field with 10 players mm. right so just think about this from a logistical standpoint right they play on the field at 20 by 30 with 10 players but the big game is played on a i don't even know the dimensions i forget i forget 110 by 50, 60, something like that. Okay. Right? And there's 22 players. Yeah. So how is that right? How is half as many kids on the pitch in less than one-eighth mm. for the little ones? Yeah. And what happens is, where does the ball end up whenever you go in on to, to watch U7s? Where's the ball mostly? In the middle? No. Couldn't tell you. Outside. Oh. <laughs> the ball spends most time off the field. Right, right, well, Why is right. the ball off the field? It's too little space. Too, not enough space. Yeah. Are the kids super dexterous at keeping the ball under control? Yeah. Probably no, not. They're not. That age, yeah. So what should you do? Bigger pitches. Make the field bigger. Yeah. Make the field bigger. Give them more space to run in. If they have a slight bag touch or a miscontrol, okay, now they've got a bit more space to operate in. Yeah. Would make sense, right? Mm. Would make sense. But these are sorts of things. And then if you, so what happens when you go and watch a U7 game? Okay, it's just a big scrum and they all just run around in a... Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. Nothing really happens. We play in tiny goals, so no one really scores. It's very difficult to, yeah. to, to beat the goalkeeper when the goal's about this big, right? Just get the big fat kid to sit and stand there and then there's no space to score. Yeah. Um, and listen, I, I work, I'm on the board of the YFL and they do a lot of really good stuff and there's only certain things that they can control. There's certain mm -hmm. things that they, they try their best with and it's, it's, it's still a work in progress. I'm not trying to dig them out, yeah. just, just to be clear. Um, but yeah that does create it does create some problems and then what happens is you go to U7 same thing picture too small promotes that same type of football but by that time you're already two years down the line yeah you already wasted another couple of years on the development scale and then of course the same U11 U13 are playing 11 aside when they should be playing 9v9 or something of that nature so yeah, I just think it co it compounds then, and then it's just then it's then the gap is too big, and you, you can't make that up because really by the time you're 13 or 14, yeah, if you go to Europe or if you go to Latin America, these kids are already their their development is their technical proficiency is already where it should be at. Wow, 
So 13 to 14, your touch has got to be... Yeah, no, no, no. What you're not working be. on your touch anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Your touch is, is got to be, yeah, perfect. Tough. Right? Yeah, you've got to be able to left foot, right foot. You've got to be able to zing a ball. You've got to be able to pluck the ball out the sky, bring yeah. it down under control, no problems. You know, you've got to be able to whip a ball in from across. You've got to be able to, if you're a striker, you'll be able to finish different ways. I don't see any strikers finishing different ways here. Wow. Like, I mean... Can you, can you chip the goalkeeper? Are you ice cool in a 1v1? Can you go around the goalkeeper? Can you score an overhead kick? Can you score a side volley? Yeah. Right? Can you score a back heel? Can you score on the outside of the right foot? Right? I don't see anyone with real guile. I don't see any midfielders with guile. I don't see anyone plays a no-look pass. Yeah. Right? I don't see anyone who can open up his body and hit a 60-yard diagonal ball. I don't see anyone who hit the ball with a bit of fade. I don't see anyone who could drive a ball like a daisy cut a bang 60 yards, but just this far off the ground. Yeah. I don't see it. For sure. I don't see it. Yeah, you're right. Right? Just, just if you think about that, if you think about that, and no offense, I could go, go to England anywhere and I would see dozens of kids who could do that. Dozens of kids. So then what I'm getting from this conversation is that the priority really is from 7 to 13 then. I mean, if you, if you don't have the individuals who are capable of doing that at age 13 to 14. It's too late. Then you're, yeah, what you're working with is a broken product from 13 to 14 up into the seniors. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So you're going to need to have individuals with extreme care and capability to understand um, the ups and downs of a, of a child. It's a child, essentially, what you're working with, right? 7 yeah. to 11. So you're going to have to be developing a player with their best person in mind, not their best athlete Perfect. in mind. So then this comes on to my next, next interesting point. I think it's interesting. Maybe the people yeah. listening or watching won't think so. If you're a really good coach, what do you want to coach? The young, well, you want to teach, you want to coach the men's team, right? Yeah, right. If you don't want to, and, and what's the next level down from the men's team? So you're you're not quite, you're not able to get to the men's teams. What would you want to do? Oh, it'd be the under twenty two, the under twenty two, and it just trickles down. So who ends up coaching the, the the youngest kids? The 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 worst of the worst. Worst of the worst. Right, right. When in, in fact, it should be the opposite. Should be the opposite. You should be getting your best coaches work with them. Yeah. You should be getting the best coaches. You should be getting, and or if you're not, if you're not. Um, it depends on how you want to have your coaching journey and your, your trajectory as a coach, but all have the capacity to specialize in that age group. Mm. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like be a specialist at working with that age group. Yeah. Like if I had an ideal age group to work with, it would probably be under 13s because you're sort of young enough, you're still malleable, you still, still can work on your technical stuff. Yeah. But they start to get into your tactical stuff more. Yeah, yeah. You know, so uh, you're starting to come of age as a young boy young human. young man yeah young, yeah young female it's that that's really for me like the golden age to work with because you can you can you can push them a little bit yeah you know you can push them a little bit so that kind of age range i i i like working with that age group like attention, if I, yeah attention spans good too at that age. it's okay yeah, yeah they're probably not old enough where they can really challenge you sure. you know what i mean they're not, they're not going to be this is effing this is effing ridiculous yeah but yeah. they're old enough and they can start to form their own opinions and then also they're still young enough to be impressionable. Mm. I think it's a, nice, it's a nice age to work in. So that's, uh, for, for me, that, that's an age group I like working with. But, you know, our, Coach Freddie, for example, works a lot with our, our kinder soccer. Yeah. And that's the reason why. Right. That's the reason why. He's not the worst coach in our club. No. That's not why I put, him, I put him there. He's one of the best coaches. Yeah. Right? Because you've got to develop them. He does the kinder soccer. Mm. So he'll be working with your threes, fours. He's been working with Nicholas since he was two years old. It's a tough sell to, to get like a, 
you know talented coaches to want to have to deal with really you know, tough sell really how much literature is out there I definitely from definitely not from our federation i'm working with kids of that age yeah, yeah. right so we try to do sort of share knowledge we try to you know impart what my experiences or experiences of others will share work that we've seen of other people you know mm. who are working in this space like tom byer for example he's got loads of really good stuff out there um and just yeah emphasizing the importance of that of that because if they as well if they don't like it at that age they're never going to come back yeah right yeah. so your influence is is it's never neutral and it's incredibly important to take that responsibility seriously as a coach that's why i'm always nervous when i see coaches that effing and blinding and shouting and screaming at five-year-old six-year-old kids yeah because they don't see the game as you've seen well of course not because you've got 20 years of experience playing the game mm. watching the game yeah right these kids have probably had about a total of two hours right two hours of playing game matches <laughs> right yeah, yeah the rest of the time they've had a couple of training sessions and now you're going to throw them in a the game and you're expecting them to know all the nuances of what it takes to win a football game yeah you're mad and especially the i mean if if the kids got two hours like how much if if the family if the parents are not actual football people and they're just getting their kids involved now then they might even have less time you know what i mean involved with the sport so yeah and they're shouting and, and screaming on the sidelines so yeah. you know so if you're gonna get a good coach at at that age seven or younger all the way up to 11s you're a coach that is proficient at exposing a child but not being too overbearing you're also got to be good at handling the parents and <laughs> it's a tough one tough one it's mate. tough one so it's, you have to be good at also um pushing the, pro the progress forward mm. right you're not just you know letting them figure things out on their own you're kind of pushing them nudging them in the right direction getting them to love the game yeah without the pressures outside pressures of the parents and from you yeah. as well as a coach yeah so you got to guide them a lot, I think. And it's also, it's even even the parents of that age, because like you said, a lot of them, their introduction to football is going to be you. Yeah, yeah. Right? So again, managing their expectations. So even if that person has played before, it's probably been a long time since you went and Kicked interacted with right, a five-year-old yeah. five, five, five kid or watched, or watched you five football. Yeah. Right? So let me tell you what you five football looks like. It looks like bees around honey, mate. Mm. No matter what, you go Brazil, Argentina, anyway, it all looks like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So accept it. I, I, I had this interesting conversation with a parent the other day and he said, oh, I went to watch this U7 team the other day. Oh, they were all in position. They were all just bang, bang, bang. Pop it. They all knew what they were doing. Yeah. I said, it was brilliant. He said, when are we going to get to do that? And yeah. this, our U7 team is pretty good, right? He said, when are we going to do that? I said, I'll tell you when we're going to do that. When they're older. <laughs> I said, because if, if a coach, if a coach has spent, and that takes a lot of time, if a coach has spent hours and hours and hours on having them stand in a position. When the ball goes here, you do this. Yeah, and yeah. when it goes there, you do this. Yeah. And when it goes there, you do this. They're very well drilled. Mm. And it looks great when they're six and seven. Yeah. I'm guarantee you, if you really ask those kids, do you enjoy training? Yeah. Are you enjoying this? Oh yeah, I love, coach, I love standing in line and getting told what to do yeah. for an hour <laughs> and a half. I love it. It's yeah. great. Yeah, yeah, sure. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, I would sacrifice some wins. I would sacrifice um, a little bit of, um, it doesn't look like the pros. Yeah. In order for the kids to play a little bit, figure it out for themselves a little bit. 
Don't get me wrong. There is a time and a place and a, and a space where you can work on them from a technical and tactical standpoint, tactical yeah. specifically at a young age. And you can show them that I want you to build out from the back. This is this is why we want to do this. This is why this, this philosophy is in place. And, but again, it takes a skilled coach to be able to deliver that message and to mm. deliver that information. And then you've got to go to the parents and say, listen, we're going to try and build out from the goalkeeper. Why? Well, if they're doing it from the ages of six and seven, yeah. And when they get to U13, they've already been doing it for X amount of years. I'm terrible at maths. Yeah, six years, six, seven years. And then it becomes second nature. Then we've already got the foundation to be working with here. Mm. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Rather than starting, okay, guys, right, under 13, you've been booting it long for the past sev six, seven years. Gonna and now we're going to try and change that. Well, then you're going to waste two years doing that. Yeah. Right? That's a really hard fix. Or you better have a really good coach. You can instill that in a minute, in a short period of time. So we've lost games where we've done that. And, and some of the parents are looking at me going, you sure you know what you're talking about here, Chris? Yeah. You know what I mean? They're looking at you going, we're going to lose this, Chris. Yeah. And I'm like, listen, when your kid's playing under 13s and they're popping it around like Barcelona, you're going to be like, bloody hell. All right. Yeah. Nice one. We, we've seen that kind of change over the course of the last few years as well. I mean, it, on, the, on the senior level. I mean, the willingness to play out the back has yeah. been a real change in the way football has been played here in the Philippines. Yeah. That, that's happened across, what, five years the last five years? It takes time. Yeah. I mean, first you need to have the players. Yeah. yeah. Right? And then once you do have the players, then you've got to have a, the, coaching, the coaching staff that's willing to implement that type of football. Yeah. Right? Then you've also got to be brave enough to, to go ahead and do it as players, which is tough. It's tough because obviously all those international games have something on the line. We don't... Yeah. You know what I mean? It's always going to be a World Cup qualifier. It's always a Suzuki car sure. or whatever. Even if it's a friendly, it's always in preparation for something else. So the, the way I'm thinking about it, though, is like is I'm, I'm trying to figure out a way. Like, how do you implement it across the board so that it's... it's, it's by the time they reach the 12 to 13 yeah, age, yeah. it's like we have this crop of players that are highly technical, love the game, and are now ready to be coached seriously, right? Let's say we, get it, we develop a pool of about... 50, 100, 100 yeah. players, 100 players at 12, 13 years of age mm. that all have this makeup, yeah. right? Love the game, good at, good, good at being coached mm -hmm. and um, have played multi-sports ideally, yeah. right? And they're ready to get their head down now. And, yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. And, and, Which and I think is about the right age. Right, yeah. learn the fine aspects of the, of the sport, uh -huh. right? That means we're not only going after kids who are in the academy at seven years old or, or younger in, in Kaya Academy in places like Malaya and other of these academies that we've, we've mentioned they also need to be picked out from areas where maybe football isn't as prominent let's yeah. say we I don't know what the percentage is but I, I'm saying I'm guessing that majority of the in, of, of our kids are in public schools let's say you get them yeah you, you introduce them to a ball at an early age and get them involved in the sport the technique might not be as crisp as some of the you know the kids who are getting academy level coaching mm -hmm. but let's say it's decent right we get them to 11 and 12 mm -hmm. now you have a huge pool that you can work with but mm -hmm. it has to be accepted across the board that this is the type of what do you have to put in place in order for that to happen you right, know what so I mean? I want to go back a little bit with what you yeah. said and then we'll come on to your your point so we have in the last under 15s national team we had two kids from the gk community okay who play for our academy who were called up to the national team awesome we probably should have had three there was another one who, who didn't make it but he ended up being our team mvp this year mm. he's the guy who cycles from Quezon city to wow uh, yeah, yeah, yeah so he was our team mvp this year for u15s and um 
they came in at the same age, right? around that sort of age, 11, 12, uh, 12 I think 12 or 13. Okay. And, had, and then we have a few other kids that, that came with us at the same time, but they're in the younger age groups. So what you have with that, so to sort of go back on the more environmental aspect of what you were talking about earlier, although they don't have the, let's say, the technical proficiency of someone who has maybe received some pretty high-end coaching, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they have the other attributes. Mm. So they are highly motivated, um, uh, physically very capable, despite some malnutrition issues, um, just g- general you know, lack musculature, um, yeah. you know, just just from from their um, lack of nutrition. Lack of nutrition, basically. Sure. Um, but they're dogged fighters. Mm. They play a lot on the street, so they're. Uh, ball manipulation is very, very good. Mm. Um, highly competitive. Used to playing against bigger, older, stronger kids, so they're street smart. Mm. Um, tactically struggle. So understanding the game in a, an 11, 11 v 11 general sense was, a, is a, was and is still a problem. Mm. But the raw materials that we're working with, unbelievable. And you've seen that a lot actually in in Premier League now is where actually, funnily enough, and this is where the curriculum is really, really important. The Premier League went too far the other way. So Premier League academies were recruiting kids at six, seven, eight. Right. And now they're creating players that are, um, they're not creative. Robots. More robots. So that's why they've got like the Wilfred Zahas, for example, the Raheem Sterlings who learned to play in a more street setup. In a more street setup, and then brought into the academy. That's that's where the game is now going within the academies. So oh. now they're trying to replicate that more, a, a, a little a little bit more within the academy setup. So you don't lose that the essence of that of that model. Mm. If you go back, to, if you look at our academy manual, that's something that we talk about a lot. So we have a street street um, street model. So every session that you come to starts with street football mm. or three v three or three against four. Right. or whatever game you want to play right. if you've got enough of you there and you're capable of making up your own game. Quick game. Get Quick game. Yeah, yeah. Play. Because you don't, can't do that. You can't play recreational football here. It doesn't really happen. Mm. Unless you're from that type of community where, okay, all we have is a ball and a small space and we just play. You know, where, where are you going to do it in BGC? Where are you going to go and play yeah. football in BGC? Or going to go rent the turf? Okay, well, everyone's rented the turf because right? yeah. it's the only spot. As an 11-year-old, you're like, all right, we're pooling some cash for, for BGC. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good luck right? with that. Yeah. So but these, these are the sorts of things that you have to try and factor in. So we try to supplement that. It's not ideal, yeah. right? But we'll, we'll, we'll siphon off 20, 25 minutes of a, of a session and have them play and just play. So the, what, that, what that sounds to me is if I'm, if I'm going to try to inspire a new generation or make that next generation or a crop of players um, – have more diversity or yep. have a bigger pool to choose yep. from. Yep. You just have to start dropping off balls everywhere. I think that's it. Yeah. And then, and then you got to try to engage those communities. It's not a simple, and then follow up. Like yeah. I think one of the good things with that is when we did stuff with GK and listen, you, you, you've been involved with some of those projects mm. is when you do like you, you involved with the yellow, cl- yellow cab one yeah. with the clinics. Yeah. So the clinics are great to do the initial engagement, but how many of those kids have you had contact with that yeah. aren't with the Academy now? Very few. Very few, right? So you've got a lo- load of kids that potentially could be quite good. Yeah. But it's about, okay, have you built a relationship with guys in the community whereby you can go, hey, how's that? How's such and such doing? Yeah. Oh, he's doing great. He's really improving. He's, 
you know, he's, he's, he's grown six inches or, you know, oh yeah, he's really filled out. So I think he's ready to come into the academy now. Okay, mm -hmm. great. Can you bring him to McKinney Hill Tuesday? We'll take a look at him. Great, perfect. Okay, then we can get him in. Yeah. Like those types of relationships just aren't, aren't being developed. I see a lot of people, I see a lot of people communicate with the GK yeah. and other types of organizations. Why? Hey, having a CSR project on your on your yeah. on your resume looks great. Yeah, that that to me is perhaps we don't have a lack of 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 entities who are getting involved with with you know the Toloys, no, the, no, no. the GKs, the uh, what, what were the other ones that we were involved with? There there yeah, are a loads. few, There's right? A lot, yeah, but just regular 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 public school public kids. school kids yeah, yeah, yeah. they don't get touched because you know they're not great for a picture and. Um, I don't know. There's more of them, man. There's more of those yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah, I feel yeah. like it's sort of they sort of fall between two gaps, don't yeah, they? It's yeah. like you're not poor enough to be. We in need the, we need super poor, super rich. Yeah, that's what 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 the demographic is at the moment, right? Because you're super rich because you can afford to pay for the for the field rental. Yeah. Or you're super poor where I can generate some funds from a sponsor because they yeah. want to be seen to be doing some stuff with those types of people. as a corporate social responsibility. But but the individuals who who who, who make up the most of the pie. Right, who are generally being sidelined? They're yeah. not being utilized at all. Yeah, I would like that to to change. That that's the reason why perhaps I'm asking a lot of the questions of how do we get them into a level where they could be utilized yeah. in the in the in the grand scheme of of football in the country? Because if if youth development is going to be the priority, which I think is the general consensus that mm -hmm. the Philippines is very good from the top of of the pyramid yeah. right i mean recruiting players from abroad not needing to spend money in their development and then getting mm -hmm. these types of results where we're punching up above our weight around the likes of malaysia singapore yeah um we are reaching higher than them yeah because of our model mm -hmm. right but now it's time to create sort of uh, how do we make it more sustainable yeah and how do we start creating our own mm -hmm. um this is the perhaps we've dragged it on uh, a little bit longer um but it's difficult to pinpoint exactly how do we do that, right? I think if we can figure out how to mesh in proper coaching with exposing them just in general to the sport yeah. and getting them more engaged in the sport of football, then we can perhaps get uh, into a better trajectory, right? Yeah. Whether there are differences in approach with Alvin's camp and your camp in, in another academy is besides the point, right? Yeah, it's just definitely. essentially it's we're all going to get the benefits of all of the approaches and before we mesh them together into a big team down the road but yeah. the key is we need that individual or individuals or a group of individuals who can monitor and perhaps point you in the right direction of a good academy that you can go to once you start exhibiting the traits required to break into a national team right mm -hmm. let's say you have to be coordinated with all of the entry level programs of all the clubs right oh what 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 communities are you guys getting into what 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 programs are you guys putting in place, and are you guys do you guys have a data database mm -hmm. that we can latch onto and and follow up as you as you yeah. said right, which are the talented individuals? Perhaps these talented individuals can be pushed into the academy that is closest to you mm -hmm. in the, you know mm -hmm. geographically, mm -hmm. and that way we can have a better handle on um, what competitions you're going up in, um, and keeping tabs on you that way. You know, I mean, is a system like that even in place at this point in time? I think is is. No, right? <laughs> You're shaking no. your head like it's not it's not there, right? I mean, that's that's a place to start. I feel like, you yeah. know, get them into futsal. Get the kids who who show up and and and, and show up uh, show a particular passion and liking for the game. Get them more involved in in maybe some turf sessions as well, you know? Um I don't think it's rocket science and I think that's what what 
places like Iceland and Belgium. That's Iceland's what they, a great one. Do you want to elaborate? If you, do you know the whole? Yeah, Iceland. Yeah. They had an issue with, I believe it was drinking mm-hmm. and getting getting kids off the street yeah. and drinking, right? Yeah. And um, once it gets cold over there in Iceland, which it does for large periods of of the year, um, there's not a lot of pastime for the children rather than hanging around drinking and smoking cigarettes mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So what they did was it was a nationwide uh, project to try to create more reasons for kids to stay indoors and to be engaged in sport. And what they did was they started creating these indoor facilities, which were heated. Yeah. Um, Domes. And, yeah. And Domes, then started yeah. getting kids to start uh, to play. And then they went on to have a large scale uh, licensing program for, for, mm-hmm. for, um, adults. Mm-hmm. So there, I think like you get into a seven under seven program, you're already with a licensed coach mm-hmm. or everyone is. Yep. Essentially, that's what they did. They started getting kids in, involved in, in, in the game of football. They had a, a nice coaching structure and, and kids went, went through this program and now they are a World Cup team or, or what is it? A Euro team. Uh, for England in the Euros. Yeah. So last Euros. I, I think their population is that of Makati, maybe smaller. Smaller, yeah, probably. Um, and they were able to put this together. You know yeah. what I mean? I mean, imagine just harnessing Makati. You could come up with, with a fantastic array of footballers in that regard from just that one area. For sure. But it's just that, that the system needs to be put in place and they call it boring. Like it, was just, it was just really boring. You know, we, what we did was <laughs> you just, you put this together, we, we got good coaching and we got a structure in place and yeah, 10 years down the road, it yielded this. It's not so boring if you're on the other side of, of things. You know, when you're, when you're part of a community and culture that does not produce these type of results, mm-hmm that lack that forward thinking it, it looks like it's it's terrifyingly difficult in fact to put together a program that will last over the course of two decades mm-hmm. we live in four four year cycles over here six year cycles over here yeah um, because of de- you know the democratic nature of a lot of our institutions right i'm not yeah. saying being a tyrant is good but to have some continuity <laughs> would be nice some continuity in a program would be would be very nice to see that, that something that will last over two decades yeah Right, but how do you start something like that? Is is more of the challenge? To yeah, and I think to with that generation. again, we went, we go back to what Alvin said. Uh, maybe this is the, the way in which we come full circle. You just got to start with your own backyard. Mm. Just try and do what you're doing. If you have a philosophy, you have an idea yeah. on how it should be done, then do it. Then do it and start with your own small community, and and and, and deal with that. Um, I think there's a lot of people who are trying to do a lot of good things yeah. here in, 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 in the Philippines with regards to youth development. Um, and there's, there's, it's still very much in its infancy, I think. Um, and, that, and that's why you've got a lot of the, the, the issues that, that we've discussed here on, on this episode. Yeah. Um, I think we're a long way off. I think we're a long way off solving some of the sort of more cultural um, issues, not just necessarily the f- footballing issues, but certainly um, sideline issues that, that have been exposed in uh, in recent weeks, months. Because it's been ongoing for a long time. I don't think it's just a football thing. I think it's across the board in all manner of different different sporting activities. I think the Sea um, Games kind of highlighted that too. We're very good at the individual sports, but the team sports where you need to showcase a bit of structure a bit of organization yeah. and um, forward thinking that that strategy yeah it showed it showed that yeah. we you know we lost in the volleyball 
we lost in in obviously basketball is, is different because of the the gap in talent yeah, but yeah. in football yeah. um it was shown yeah yeah, yeah. Our, our our lack of structure really was put out there and you you look at the likes of vietnam who have now started turning that corner yeah and you're seeing like oh man if we don't get our acts together yeah we're gonna be behind these guys yeah, for the next yeah. 10 years yeah so worse or worse and i think a lot of it is is trying to can can you see the bigger picture yeah right that is try to work back from where you see yourself or your kid in 15 years time 20 years time Mm. right so first of all let your kid do whatever they want to do whatever's fun whatever they enjoy doing where do you see your kid in 10 years time trying to work your way back from there that's i think a really good way of, of, of sort of looking at it so if your kid at a young age or as he goes through the process thinks, right okay i really want to be a national team player okay then work your way back from there so if that's the case what do you need what steps do you need to take in order to get to that level and i guarantee you if you think like that long term if you think big picture your focus on your kid is going to be about developing them as an individual footballer Mm. and it's not going to be about winning that seven aside mickey mouse trophy on the weekend yeah it's not going to be about that you're going to be driven every day to make sure that the process each and every day is working towards that bigger goal yeah it might be and in between those it might be i want him to play at a really good college it might be i want him to go play in a league abroad it might be i want him to go and play at a really good high school and and this is the high school i want to go to lasalle because coach alvin's there and i know he's going to be able to teach my kid the the right way i'm going to be enrolled in an academy that i think will facilitate that growth yeah and then you can just okay then you're working your steps back okay right now then i need to enroll that kid in that academy and then that's where we'll start i think that there's lots of things like that that need to be made um that parents need to be made aware of yeah because if your if your sole vision at the moment is winning that game this saturday mm. winning that tournament this weekend okay the uh the, the days are long but the years are short and mm. before you know it your kid's gonna be 15 and he can't strike a ball right. before you know it your kid's gonna be 17 and he's be like i hate football yeah i hate it get me out of it i don't like it or the absolute worst the worst 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 is your kid's gonna get to the point where you and your parents him and the he she and the parents don't get along yeah because the relationship is severed because of the issues that have, that have stemmed from and compounded from years and years of I don't want to say bullying that's that might be a bit harsh but just incessant and relentless pushing and mm. steering and micromanaging every single aspect of their football in life right and I've seen it I've seen I see it and I see it every day yeah I just think to myself my god that poor kid my gosh that kid's oh Sorry, mate. Developing talent, it's not easy. It's not easy, man. But, you know, I think through this conversation, I don't have any kids, but, you know, it has enlightened me as to how perhaps I'd like to, you know... What would you do? Gage. I mean, mean, I'm interested because, you know, you're a married man. Maybe you'll have a family one day. In the pipeline. In the pipeline, yeah. Yeah. So do, do you think you'd be that way inclined? You know, I, I like the idea of exposing my kid to as many things as possible. Yeah. Um, one thing, perhaps, and, I, and this is something that I picked up off of, of, of a podcast as well. Um, High-level coach of, of uh, George St. Pierre of the UFC, mm-hmm. right? Faraz Zahabi. He, mm-hmm. he likes this, to, to say something like, um, there are certain 
there's certain pieces of knowledge that are required. Math is required. Arithmetic is required, right? Um, for me, a certain le- a certain degree of understanding of martial arts is required, right? Because your capability to handle yourself in situations where it could get a bit squirrely mm-hmm. is indicative of so many other uh, is important in all other aspects of your life right right? if you have that confidence in yourself Mm -hmm. that you can handle yourself when situations go awry then you won't suffer from the insecurities that become bigger things down the road right Mm -hmm. so i feel like you're not going to be a bully because there's no there's no insecurity within you yeah you're not gonna get bullied and you're not going to have those issues that stem from bullying because you can handle yourself so i aside from that Aside from being able to handle yourself physically, n- learning how to do arithmetic, I'm very, very loose with regards to like what you should and should not do. Mm-hmm. In fact, I'm not even a big believer in, in how much structured schooling has provided me no, in my that. skill set, yeah. in, my, in my capability. Yeah. So I'm not going to be forceful in that regard either. So, yeah, I- I'm very much in the school of thought where, you know, your child will exhibit the traits that fit what is best for him or her mm-hmm. right so if there's a if there's a liking to music then we'll you know we'll, we'll fan that flame but if not you know sure maybe you're not into the same stuff that i'm into yeah. that's that's fine yeah so yeah but learning to then be attuned to your child that once he does start exhibiting or she starts exhibiting the traits that would lead down a particular path that you are also equipped with the capability to be like, all right, I know the right people for this. I know the right culture mm-hmm. to put you in. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, it's about being a good person. And if you're if your kid's gonna be uh, an achiever, but uh, you know an asshole, it's not worth it. And that's me. and that is probably when it is a reflection of you. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like that is then if that's. I always look at it when I see kids like when they walk off the pitch and don't shake hands with the opponents. Mm-hmm. You know, if they then that's a, that is definitely a reflection I think of an adult probably not telling them, hey. You need to shake hands with the opponent whether you win or lose. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Sure. Because the kid probably doesn't know any different at that point. Mm. Right. And then, and if they are acting that way, they need to be corrected mm. and corrected quickly. Yeah. Right. I've seen it in games where, and it's, in, and I, f- I feel like sometimes it's actively encouraged when kids are overly aggressive. Sure. You know, and you know, like grabbing or shirt pulling or nasty tackles. And, yeah. Yeah. And then p- parents on the sideline are like, yeah. Yeah, you know, in, in actively encouraging that, yeah, and, and yeah, uh, yeah. almost, almost reinforcing that that is a that is a good thing to do. Yeah, yeah, that's when it's a reflection of you, you know, because yeah, these kids just want to please their parents, right? At yeah. the end of the day, they 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 are doing it to make you happy, in many respects. And if they see that they're doing something and it's getting that, that kind of, and it's eliciting that kind of response, they're going to do it again. Yeah, yeah. And if they're not told, hey, hold on a minute, I don't think that's the way in which you should conduct yourself in, in, a, in, a, sporting, in a sporting occasion. And it, how, this is how you should conduct yourself on the street. This is how you should conduct yourself at a restaurant. Yeah. It's, 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 it's going to have a massive implications down the road, for sure. And I think that's where, as, as coaches, we need to educate the parents yeah. on, and, and, um, have a philosophy in place that w- that su- suggests this is how we should conduct ourselves. Yeah. When the final whistle blows, it's over. You don't mock the f- opposition. You shake their hands. You go and shake the coach's hands. You thank the officials. Go and sit down. Have a drink. Game's over. It's done. You had. If you lost the game, 
You lost the game. You had your chance to say your, what, say what you had to say on the pitch. Mm. Then it's done. Yeah. As a parent, the same. Once the final whistle goes, don't get in the car and belittle your kid if they've had a poor game. Yeah. Right. If the kid doesn't want to talk about it, don't talk about it. Don't give them advice. Don't tell them how they how they performed. Yeah. The best thing I I think a parent can say in that car ride home, which is probably the most critical period, if you just sort of summarize. The, uh, and, and, and categorize the most important part of an athlete's day. Yeah. It is the journey home after an event because that is the time when you can best gauge the feeling of, the, of your child, mm. right? So if they're happy in their performance, right? You can, you can feel it, right? You can, you can feel it. I'm sure you've been in the car ride with, with, with yeah. family before and been like, oh my God. I was terrible today. Yeah, yeah. And that's your job, like you said, to be attuned. Your job as a parent is to be, hey, listen, you had a bad day today, but I still love you, right? I still, I think you're a great player, Yeah, right? I enjoy coming to watch you today, right? And sure. we're proud of the effort that you put in today. Although it wasn't your best performance, work harder next week. Mm. Go to training with a, with a newfound attitude of, okay, I can do better next week. Yeah. Done. Right, now I was going to get some ice cream. Mm. Right, and that's it. That's all you have to do. That's all you have to do. If you're going to sit there and then break down play by play every action that, that, you, that you did, every play that you, misplay that you had, every shot that you missed, every mistake that you made, oh my gosh. Your kid is going to shut down. Yeah. Your kid is going to shut down. For sure. Right. So I think that's, in terms of educating, within your, your own club philosophy, educating the parents on best practice, you know, and then parents being in tune to the kids, finding out exactly what is best for them, gauging, okay, are they upset because they performed badly? Okay, are they super elated because they played really well? Mm. And then you might have to bring them down a peg or two and be like, oh yeah, okay, but you could still improve with this, still improve on that. Yeah, yeah. And then let it go, that's it, done, finished. Doesn't have to be a two hour review, yeah. watching the game when you get home. <laughs> you know, all that, mate, and I see it, right? Right, game film, get home. We're putting it up on the big screen. We're going to no talk about way. it. It happens, mate. No it happens. Way. So these are the sorts of things I think is really, really important. And just to, just to gain a bit of perspective, because um, your kid, at the end of the day, and really the, the overarching theme of what I'm trying to get at is, is just let the kid be the driver. Yeah. Let the kid drive it, okay? If they're super into it, you'll feel it, and you can just guide them along the path. Mm. You don't have to... Be overbearing. Yeah. Let them make their own decisions. Let them make their own mistakes. Yeah. And then when they are successful, they can have ownership of that success themselves, the kid. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Not because mum or dad opened these doors for me. Not because mum or dad, right, paid all that money for me to go and play for that team. Mm. Right? Or mum and dad paid for me to go to that school. And that's why I got to that team and won the championship. Right. You know what I mean? It's let them drive it. Let them be the ones that make the decisions. And I guarantee you what you'll find is you have a kid that has a lifelong affinity to the sport. Right. Because those kids, they will then become the referees. They will then become the coaches. They will then become the boosters for your program. They will be the ones who want to put up a football club if they're successful. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not, it's not, it's not a blueprint, uh, so to speak, to guarantee success to no, your no, child. No, no, no. You can do it many, many different ways. Yeah, many different ways. But here's one way that, that perhaps... Um, has yielded some some nice examples and and is the path that you're walking as of the moment with your kids the way in which we're living now is not the way mm. 
that's really what I'm trying to get at. Like there has to be change. I'm giving yeah, yeah. you, uh, there is a solution and this is the solution. Because if we're going to continue down this path, yeah. we ain't, we ain't going to produce any players. Okay. That's really what I'm getting at. Yeah. Because I gave you, I, I asked you questions yeah. pertaining to how many players are we producing that are creative? How many strikers are we producing that can finish a multitude of different ways? Yeah. How many players are we creating homegrown that can go into the national team? Yeah. Okay. Other than ones that are fast or big and strong. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and they're just down to physical attributes at the end of the day. Mm. Right. That's got nothing to do with p people who've been cultivated or developed. So it, it kind of ties back into that episode with Alvin when you guys were talking about how are you going to produce the next Ali Borromeo? How are you going to produce the next Phil Young husband? you can work yourself backwards, right? You're going to work backwards. Yep. What are the skill sets that they, that they have? Exactly. And then try to f start ingraining that into the, the next crop of players that are coming through, yeah. right? So um, hopefully in a, in a positive environment where you're not trying to grind out the, the, the passion of the game out of these kids, yeah. right? So and I think that is really, as, as, a, as a final thought, I think that's, that is something that I would like to, to, to get at. Is I'm not coming at this from an angle of, hey, I know everything. This is how it should be done. You guys need to listen to me. Yeah. This is the only way to do it. Yeah. Right. There are a multitude of different ways to do it. Right. Uh, and don't get me wrong. And I'm all ears if people have another suggestion on how to do it. Yeah. Right. Um, I don't want to come across as I have all the answers. Yeah. Lord knows I've made many mistakes along this journey. All I'm saying is I've, I've got quite a lot of experience in this field. Yeah. I've spent a lot of time doing my due diligence on a multitude of different subjects, topics within this space. And I think, I think at the moment, we're starting to see the results of that and the fruits of our labor within our own academy. Right? Yeah. And I'm not saying everyone should be following it. I'm not saying it's a blueprint. I'm not saying any of that, like, like you said. Yeah. But we put ours, our academy manual out there for everyone to see. And, and there's, pieces of it that might fit your club there's pieces of it that you might think are interesting yeah. there are aspects of this interview that you might think oh that's great there's aspects of it you think oh Chris you're talking absolute bollocks mate yeah right and that's fine too I'm more than happy to have a dialogue with you but I'm telling you if you're going to be shouting and hollering and screaming from the sideline if you've got a joystick coach uh, if you're putting all your eggs in one basket and hoping that your kid is going to be a professional footballer and that's the only sport they're going to play I think you're on the path to, to something more negative yeah, something something dangerous can happen down the line, and I, I don't want that to happen because, as you've um, illustrated, there's so many players here who have the capability, mm. and it's just about pushing them in the right direction. And I'm sure that these kids can flourish. That's really what I'm getting at because yeah. I think it's, a, it's 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 an untapped resource based on the population, based on the type of uh, player that we can produce here. Yeah. Right, with a, with a bunch of different skill sets, and I hope that's really what the uh, yeah not not to make it sound like a negative, and we're we're bashing parents and we're bashing other coaches and this and that. But what I'm trying to get at is if we can do this the right way, we can follow the models of Belgium, follow the models of Iceland, follow the models of these other countries that have put together a cohesive and clear plan. Mm. Then anything's possible. We can really achieve great things. Really achieve great things. Yeah, it's just a case of trying to harness that in the correct way. And um, I've obviously demonstrated and illustrated some of the ways in which we do it. Um, and then make it something that we can scale out potentially yeah. for um, you know, other, other areas within the, within the Philippines. It's fun chat, man. I, I, I hope like, you know, there are a lot of parents who, who are listening who might be able to you know, uh, pick something up from it. If not already on this path, maybe you can 
pick a few things that they can add to their game and how they're raising their children and how they're pushing them into these sports and not necessarily football in that respect. Mm. You know, it could be anything, any endeavor, whether it's sporting or creative for that matter. And hopefully, you know, it'll have that desired effect on, on, on these parents and hopefully individuals inside the, uh, the footballing community can garner a bit of perspective as to how you go about things and how they might be able to implement similar approaches into their game. So yeah, um, okay. enjoy the conversation. Oh, thank uh, you. We waffled on a bit there, didn't we? <laughs> that was a long one. For those who are watching, if you guys uh, are and listening, if you guys enjoyed it, please do as always subscribe to our YouTube channel, our Spotify, and on Apple Podcasts. Rate and review us. Um, recommend us to a friend. It would really mean a lot to us, and would make this um, something that we can continue doing for 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 many many years. So um, yeah. Thanks, Chris. Thank you, mate. Uh, thank you to everybody watching. And uh, we'll catch you next time on another Football Friday. <laughs>